So if you've been uh, with us for any length of time, you know that we've been in a series, Kingdom Prep Academy. <laughs> it's, it's not, what, the problem is, it's cheesy, I get that, I get it. Uh, prepare for heaven, flourish now. One of the things that we've been saying as we've been moving through the Sermon on the Mount, that's Jesus uh, teaching one of his uh, longest extended pieces of teaching in, in the New Testament. Uh, we've been saying that what he's trying to do is he's trying to get people ready for kingdom life, for heavenly life. It's a real thing that's going to happen, um, and you should be ready for it. You should be the kind of person who's ready to go and reign and rule and, and thrive in the kingdom of God. And if you do, you will flourish now. You will have eternal living life flowing through you now. That does not mean that you will be rich and popular and successful. Flourishing does not include being, well, I mean, I guess it could. If you're going to flourish, you probably, it would be nice to be rich and successful and powerful too. But that's not the only way that human beings flourish. That's not what we were created for. That's not what we were designed for. And, and really, when uh, Jesus is teaching, he's, he's showing us what we're actually called to be sp- as spiritual beings. Um, so today we're going to continue that in, in Matthew, uh, probably the most famous part of, of the Sermon on the Mount, it's the Lord's Prayer. A lot of us, if you're um, new to church, if you're not a church person, prayer probably weirds you out. It, uh, it's something that's a little uncomfortable. You're glad that there are other people who seem well-trained to do it for you. Uh, that's cool. If you've grown up uh, in the church, if you've been part of the church your entire life, you actually probably don't think about prayer a lot, but you sort of know what it sounds like. Um, I like to, uh, as e- we're evangelicals here, we're an evangelical congregation, I like to make fun of us, um, and, and Doug knows that this is in, in, in good, good humor, but uh, I've I noticed that evangelicals like to use the word just in our prayers. I'll be like, God, you're just so good, and we're just so thankful, and God, you're just, you know, just, 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 and there's nothing wrong with that, it's not wrong, there's nothing wrong with it, it's, it's, a, it's a way that evangelical lay praying kind of tends to be, but you might wonder, well, what's prayer supposed to be, right? What's, what is it supposed to be? What's prayer supposed to be like? What's the point? Uh, what is it about? Um, and does it have to be just, 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 or is there some other purpose to it? Maybe uh, you grew up in a, in a context where you were told what praying shouldn't be. Um, I know a number of, of, of people who say, uh, maybe grew up in, say, like the Roman Catholic tradition, and, and as a result, they, um, they sometimes feel really not good about reciting prayers. Like, they, they think that's wrong because that's something that they associate um, with a bad part of their past. I've seen that. I've seen uh, exactly the opposite where later on in life, uh, you're like, it's really nice when someone's written down a prayer for me because often I don't know what to say to God. And it's really cool to have that. But, but what, what is it supposed to look like and what's it supposed to be? Um, and is it something that everyone can get engaged in? Let's uh, let that animate us as we um, listen to what Jesus has to say when he, when he gives us the Lord's Prayer. This is Matthew 6, 9 through 13. I've adapted this translation. Uh, it, it's, I, I've really been intentional about trying to shake it up if you're used to hearing this. Like, I grew up and I've memorized, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, the will be done on earth, there's this, tra, 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 trespasses, kingdom power, glory forever. You, if you've heard that, you know, I, I've really gone out of my way to like make this uncomfortable so that it, it, you, you, we, really, um, we really stop and, and, and listen to the language. So this is what Jesus says. He says, pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, cause your name to be holy. And I've added in brackets to all, and we'll explain that in a second. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. A short note, uh, if you're familiar with this text, you may want me to, you may be inclined to say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, that's actually probably, well, definitely added later um, by, by scribes to adapt um, Matthew to what the church had sort of used Matthew to in, in liturgy and services. If you'd like to uh, talk about that personally, I'd love to share the, the history of how that kind of got put in uh, with you. But for those of you who are interested, uh, but that it really wasn't um, the, in the original. And if you look at Luke's uh, recording of the, the, the Lord's Prayer, it's much more similar to this. So, Okay. Here it is. It's the Lord's Prayer. It's been a part of Christian tradition, and and there it is. Notice that Jesus prefaces the Lord's Prayer with then. Pray then in this way. Something is wrong with the way that people are praying. And if you were here two weeks ago, you remember that one of the things we were talking about is people were using prayer as like a way to show off. Um, Let me me show you what we read a couple weeks ago. When you pray, don't be like hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corner so that people will see them. Jesus' world much different than ours. If in our world you want to become a success and rule and become the CEO of a major corporation, probably what you don't do is go out and pray in public. If you do that, people are like, you're weird and I'm scared of you. Uh, in Jesus' day, that wasn't the case. Prayer was actually something that people use in order to get other people to think they were cool and to, and to like them and to be successful. Um, and, and so Jesus is saying, don't pray like that. Uh, the, there's another thing that we haven't looked at yet. He says here, when you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, as the foreigners do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. True fact, uh, the, the foreigners, Jesus is thinking about the pagans who are now living in, 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 the, in Israel. Uh, what they do is they're, they're convinced that there are invisible people in the sky. That, they're, they're on that. They, they agree with that. But they think that the invisible people in the sky are, have their own, like, they're busy and they're doing things. And so what your job is as a good prayer is to get Zeus's attention. And so you're like, Zeus... You have the most shapely, formly lightning bolts. Your lightning bolts are truly wonderful. The most powerful lightning bolts that have ever been seen by mortal eyes. They come from your bulging muscles and your great white beard. Zeus, you are wonderful. And then uh, presumably, as you heap up these phrases, Zeus is doing whatever he's, he's doing. He's like, Ooh. oh, yes, no, do go on. Tell me more. And you're like, oh, Zeus, you're just incredible. Hey, Zeus, I'd like to tell everyone how great you are, but I notice that we haven't had rain this season yet. Do you think you could do something about that? Zeus is like, oh, gosh, okay, fine. And Zeus sends rain. That's, That's sort of how praying worked in the ancient world. It was actually a way to manipulate deities. And actually, some Jewish prayers ended up being like that. And Jesus is like, don't do that. So your father knows what you need before you ask him. God is not like Zeus who's off doing whatever uh, Zeus is doing. God's actually really focused on earth. God cares about what's going on here. He's paying attention. He knows what's up. You don't have to convince him. You don't have to shed light on things. God knows. He cares. And so improper prayer, um, and this is the first thing in your note sheets, is, is this, is prayer is neither a path to success nor a way to twist God's arm. 
That second one, I got to tell you, sometimes I feel like we slip into that trap. Remember I was in college, and uh, there was a girl, a friend of mine, and uh, her father had cancer. And uh, so we, we gathered all the people who, who believed in Jesus, and we got in this prayer chapel, and we had like a, a two-hour intervention session, intercept, like God, we, crying out, everyone at, at different times, and, and crying out to God. And, and I was certain, I was certain that, that he was going to be fine. And it, it made his funeral three weeks later really, really sad. I was like, God, we did it right. What, where's, the, where's the quid pro quo? Where's the, hey, we, we got your attention, we're faithful, we, you, you need to do what we ask because we did it right. Jesus is like, no, that's, that's not how prayer works. But if that's the case, then what's prayer for, right? What's the point? If we can't, like, come up with this awesome, like, hey, God, I'm going to mess with you, and then you're going to give me what we want, we're going to have a negotiation, we're horse trading with God. If that's not what prayer is, then what is it? Well, I think if we pay attention to Jesus' language in the Lord's Prayer, we're going to see what he really wants out of our prayer, and, and, and how actually, actually, prayer is not something, I mean, it is, and God does want to hear our requests and respond to them. I do have a message about that about a year and a half ago, something about a feast, all of our messages are online. Uh, you can go watch. We have a YouTube channel. Unfortunately, none of our YouTube videos yet have like a, a place where you can click to, to give us money if you really, really like it. Because that would be awesome. I mean, think about that. Some guy in Iowa is like watching this. It's like, hey, man, just click the button. Tip jar, dude. We don't have that yet. We're going to work on it. Um, I don't think anyone in Iowa. If you're from Iowa, I love Iowa. Okay, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, so, yeah, let, let's, let's, look at, let's look at the text and, and, and see if we can kind of get what, what maybe that God, God has, or Jesus has something special for prayer actually to do to us. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, cause your name to be holy to all. If you think about the traditional way of saying that, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's a very strange language, hallowed be thy name. It really means holy be your name, but it's actually an imperative. It's a command to God. Make your name holy. That, I mean, that, if it's literally a command for God to do something, how could God make God's name any more, more holy than it is? Like that, that doesn't seem, it seems weird. Like, God, how, how, can, how can you be more holy? No, that doesn't make sense. God is, God is the most holy. He is Lord of, of all the earth. He is glory. He is holiness. How, how could that be? Well, the point is, is that, is that you've got to ask yourself, who's our? Who's our Father in heaven? In Jesus' context, it's all the Jews around him. But what the Jews know is that God's not just the God of the Jews. He's the God of everyone. They just don't know it yet. He is the Lord of the world, the sovereign creator of the universe. They just don't know it yet. And Jesus' first command in the prayer, it's a command to God. It's saying, make your name holy to everyone. Make it so that the Roman scumbag down the street acknowledges you and bends his knee before you. Make it so that the tongue of the, of the Egyptians confess that you're God. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess God. Make it happen. In that same line, your kingdom come. It's again a command to God. Bring your kingdom. Your will be done here as it is in heaven. You notice that all of that language is sort of talking about 
a reality that, that Jesus knows is coming, is real. He says in Matthew four seventeen, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's, it's coming, but it's not here yet in its fullness. It's not all the way here. In fact, look around and you can tell this is not God's kingdom. Okay? The things that happen around us and in our own lives are not the things that happen in God's kingdom. That doesn't mean we can't have little pieces of God's kingdom here. We can have little communities of faith that spring up uh, responding to the gracious love of God in Christ. And these these communities can then uh, begin enacting God's will in a limited fashion. And so we can have these little communities that are are sort of imaging the kingdom in 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 a limited and imperfect sense. But that's not what Jesus is asking for. He's not saying this is how you pray. He's saying pray for the end of history. Pray for the eschaton, the last days, the final moment when heaven comes to earth and all is made right. Bring that now. Does anyone really want that? I remember being a kid being like, gosh, I hope that um, there's no like rapture or like you know, second coming of Jesus or anything, until like, and I had some milestones in my life. I was like, you know, I wanted to go through my 20s because that seemed like it was pretty fun. Uh, Maybe get married, experience love. Um, It wasn't on my radar to have kids, but you could see that might be on other people's radars. You know, that might be something they, but the idea being like, God, there's so much good here. I, I don't want you to bring heaven. Because in my mind, heaven was like, you know, floating on the clouds and rainbows and ponies. And it was a weird place I didn't want to go to. That's not heaven. That's not the kingdom of God. The problem that we have is that we have a very distorted view of what it's going to be like when God rules all in all. When he comes and regenerates this earth. It's not like we're floating off into space, you know, in some weird thing. That's not heaven. Heaven is God's kingdom in a regenerated, renewed earth. A world that is made right in every way, every facet. That's what we're all headed towards. Whether we like it or not, that's where we're going. And Jesus is saying, wouldn't it be great to have a little more of that now? God, bring it now. But wait, in order for that to happen, we know if you're, if you're familiar with the New Testament, the New Testament is very clear on this. In order for that to happen, a time of, of testing and trial must happen. If you've grown up in the church, you may have heard the word tribulation. A time when the, uh, the enemy comes and gives his all, his best, to stop God's kingdom, to stop uh, God's glory from, from manifesting, to, to, to ruin uh, the church, to ruin our lives. That, that's something that happens, you know, before before the kingdom comes. That word uh, that gets translated temptation and, you know, bring us not in temptation but deliver us from evil. Not a good translation, sorry. Uh, that, that word temptation is actually the word that gets used when Jesus goes out into the, into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. It's a time of trial, a time of testing. It's the same word uh, that the Jewish people use to, if you know the story of the, of the Israelites being freed from Egypt and wandering around in the desert for 40 years where they're tested time and again to see if they really are the kinds of people that God wants them to be. It's a time where you're, that you're in the crucible, in the furnace, when things are tough and, and it's you know, separating the wheat from the chaff kind of thing. Like, are you in it to win it or are you just going to you know, melt away? That's what a time of testing or a time of trial is. And what you may notice is that every time a little piece of the kingdom comes to earth, 
Every time God's Spirit comes and enlivens hearts and we respond to his message of grace and begin living in his way, it is almost inevitable that a time of trial or testing will happen. That people, you have this enthusiastic moment, everyone's awesome, this is going to be great, and then, ooh, the enemy doesn't like that, and so he starts to punch back. And what Jesus knows is not only is that a pattern that's going to go throughout history time and time again, there's going to be a last one, a one that's really bad at the very end of history. And, and, and the prayer is like, God, I understand how this works. Please, if you would, let me be one of the people who gets to sidestep that stuff. Because I know some really great Christians who would be much better suited to suffer uh, and, and to, and to, to you know, go through temptation and trial. If you'd like me, I can give you names. Um, but I'm not that guy. Deliver me, rescue me from the trials and the testing that the evil one brings. When was the last time, I have to ask myself this question, when was the last time I prayed and my prayer had anything to do with heaven, the end of days, the future. I mean, it might have slipped out at some point or another, but it certainly, if I'm being honest, I don't think I pray much about the future because isn't prayer supposed to be about now? Isn't, isn't, the, isn't it supposed to be about me? <laughs> the first thing in your note sheets is when we look um, at, at this uh, this, this prayer that Jesus is, is asking us to imitate or to take on as a pattern, it reorients us towards a heavenly future. Transformative prayer, Jesus kind of prayer, reorients us towards a heavenly future. And that's a big, big deal. Because we, as especially as Southern California, Orange County Christians, have no reason to think about heaven, because let's be honest, in some ways we're already living it. It's pretty great here. It, it's sad, too, because, uh, you know, it used to be that everyone could enjoy California. Now there's um, the rich at the top, and then there's um, the poor at the bottom. The middle is kind of being gutted, which is sad. But, I mean, if we look at our, our communities now, it, it's crazy how that's, um, how that's happening. But for people like us who are surrounded by, you know, the Lamborghinis and... Um, is that the thing, Lamborghinis? I keep being told if, if you make a bunch of money in cryptocurrency, you're supposed to buy a Lamborghini. I don't get that, but okay. A Tesla, there it is. Yeah, Teslas are cool. I, I saw one of those things. They're amazing. They're like little miniature robots. They do everything for you. They're cool. Um, there, there, there's a real pull for us to be focused on the now, on the here. And Jesus gets that. This part of the prayer is, is, is really what he's, he's kicking people who are now here, present-minded, focused people, and saying, every time you come talk to God, remember the reality of the future. Remember what heaven is like. Remember where you're going and what we're trying to accomplish here. Don't forget the mission. And if you don't do that, if you, if you start praying that way and, and it becomes real to you and you start acting on that, you're going to start to reorient the way you think about this world, this life now. It's going to be more kingdom-oriented, kingdom-focused. Instead of getting the Tesla, maybe we could, you know, not that you shouldn't get a Tesla. If you have the opportunity, just make sure I get a test drive. Um, but also, on top of the Tesla, maybe we need to be doing some kingdom-oriented things. Some things that are, that are mindful of what God's about and what his purposes are. This type of prayer doesn't change God. It changes us. 
And we need changing. Let's look at the um, second part of the prayer. So, you know, sandwiched in between um, this, this heavenly, oh, a little plug. If, you're, if you don't know anything about heaven, if you're under the impression that heaven is harps and clouds, great news for you. Stick around. After this series, our next series is going to be about heaven. We're going to talk about the, the next life. We're going to talk about what it's going to be like. Talk about how it can be even more awesome than you might think that it's going to be. We're even going to talk about how it could be a little bit less awesome than you want it to be. Uh, so if, if, if you're having, if you're like, I don't know how to pray about heaven because I don't know really anything about heaven. Stay with us. All right. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Okay, did you notice? All right, so remember we talked about the time of trial. And I told you that that word trial is the same word that gets uh, used to refer to the 40 years where the the Israelite slaves are wandering in the wilderness after being liberated from Egypt. And it's a time where they're being broken down and and messed with. Um, Interestingly, during that time, while they're in the the desert, uh, what we're told is is that God gives them uh, manna from heaven. It's like little bread things that kind of appear on the ground in the morning. And it's just enough to feed them for one day. And they're commanded, they're commanded, don't, don't hoard it. Don't, like, don't gather it up. Just, just trust that the next day will bring the bread you need. When Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, he's, he's kind of making a reference to that. Remember what it was like, Israel, when you actually had to trust me? When you actually had to depend on me? Notice that it doesn't say, uh, give us this month our Costco's worth of groceries. It doesn't say, uh, give us enough meat from that deer to fill up an entire fridge or uh, freezer. It says, give us our daily bread. Give us just enough to make it today. If you actually prayed this way, it would be very counterintuitive because we think that when we're supposed to pray for our needs, we're trying to get our needs met. Give us our daily bread. And if you're a peasant in Jesus' day, that's probably how you think. But if you're in a world like ours where we're, it's post-scarcity, we've got more food than we know what to do with. If you literally said to God, God, I only want the, what I need for today, you would a- be asking God to take stuff away from you. You would be asking God, God, put me in a place where I'm dependent on you. Notice that our entire lives are built around, we're told that our happiness depends on being freed from that kind of anxiety. The anxiety that's brought about by want. Right? That's what we're told. Um, and I can testify that in a lot of ways it's true. Uh, I think what Jesus is getting at though is he's like, he's saying, hey, I get that you're going to be focused on heaven, you're focused on the kingdom, but I don't want that to make it so that you're not dependent on me for stuff. So that you're not depending on me in a day-to-day way for your life. And one of the things that we do is we, um, we, we hoard and, and store and, and collect resources so that we don't have to depend on God. We don't necessarily, you know, we're not like, oh, I want to not depend on God. No one says that. But it just so happens that when we do actually gather things and we do have the resources and we are comfortable, we think about God less. 
what the Lord's Prayer is offering is an opportunity for us instead to say, God, I want to be dependent on you. I want you to be a a regular feature of my existence day to day. It doesn't necessarily have to be bread or, you know, shelter or whatever. It it could be anything, but it needs to be something where we're beginning to say, God, you've got to be a part of things. We're going to stop living as if you don't exist. Have you noticed that we do that? Uh, one of the questions that I, uh, I, if I want to feel guilty, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm like, okay, I need to be, remember what a bad person I am, I'll ask myself this question. Okay, let's say that I didn't believe in God at all. What would be different? I mean, I'd, I'd still love my wife and my kids. I'd still go to work because I need to, you know, provide, um, or I still have to send Aaron to work so she can provide for me. Um, I, I, would, would a lot really change? Or am I pretty much indistinguishable from whoever? What Jesus, com- uh, what, what Jesus is telling us to do is he's like, in your prayer life, create a space where you're dependent on God in a way that somebody who's not dependent on God wouldn't be. Develop a place where you have to live in need of him. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Debt was a big deal in the ancient Near East. And I do think that when Jesus is is speaking to peasant crowds, when they heard this word debt, they really did think about credit and debt. Like they were, you know, in debt to people all the time. And they did have a real strong concept of being in debt to God. That God's owed a lot and they haven't fulfilled their part of the bargain. The idea here is, is, is our, our, our daily life has to be organized around the kind of character and principles that God expresses. God forgives debts. We should too, here and now. He, he lets things go. He lets things slide. He's very, very gracious. We ought to be the same way, gracious people who let things go. And if we do that, then we're going to have that kind of tight relationship where he really is acting as a part of our day-to-day lives rather than some, some off-in-the-distant-universe Zeus doing whatever he wants God. He's going to be the actual, real God who's a part of our lives. And that leads us to the next thing in our note sheet. Transformative prayer grounds us, grounds us in the present. It reorients us towards the future kingdom of God, but it it, it grounds us right here in in the need to be dependent, standing firmly on God for everything, uh, engaging his character and his life as we engage the world. All of uh, We need to be settled on him and his way of doing things. I did a Google search for Christian praying. This is what came up. It's nice. Um, we uh, we we pray with our kids uh, at night most of the time. Aaron always does it. I'm usually there, uh, and and we've kind of trained them to do a little bit of both. Like Olivia, she doesn't like to come up with her own prayer. She likes to do um, "As I Lay Me Down to Sleep" that thing. I think it's the words have been changed, so it's a little less gruesome. Because I think in the original, it was like, if I die before I wake, or something, something horrible like that, in a world that we don't 
live in. They've changed the words. Alice likes to do a more evangelical style praying. She likes to pray for people who are sick. Um, anyway, uh, we were driving. Normally when uh, I see an accident on, on the freeway, uh, in a moment of Christian grace and charity, I get mad because now um, traffic's going to be even worse than it already is in the Golden State. And so I silently sort of curse the people who got into that accident. Um, and, but my kids are much better than I am. My kids, they see that, and they're very tuned to um, the danger that can happen in a car accident. They, they like to think about you know, police cars and fire trucks and hospitals and things like that. And so they're very, every time they see something like that, they're like, Daddy, oh my gosh, somebody's been hurt. Uh, we, we need to pray for them. I say, okay. That wasn't my first uh, inclination. Maybe it should be, but it wasn't. Um, but okay, let's pray for him. So the last time this happened, I was like, Alice, would you like to pray? Usually she says yes. She's like, nope, uh, I'm just not feeling it today. I was like, Olivia, and before I even asked, she was like, no! Like, okay, I got it. It's like, only a bit. one time we prayed for the food. And like, Olivia, would you like to pray? She's like, as I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> like, Nailed it! Um... <laughs> So she says, no, Alice says, it's on me. And so I'm like, okay. I'm like, dear Lord, I uh, pray um, that this is not a serious accident. It wasn't. It was a fender bender. I pray that no one's hurt, and people can be hurt in those things, and I'm not downplaying that. I know Ray is hurting right now, uh, so I'm not downplaying it. But I was like, Lord, please protect them and give you know, doctors wisdom. Um, also, help the street to be cleared quickly so that traffic doesn't slow down too much and we all get where we're going in a timely fashion. In Jesus' name, amen. And Alice is like, you didn't close your eyes. I was like, honey, I'm trying not to contribute to the problem. But it was interesting because she had already, she's internalized at a very young age that what prayer looks like is this. And even if you're driving, you need to really get into prayer mode if you're going to talk to God. I would, and Google agrees. This is what Google thinks prayer looks like. Looks like this. Everybody thinks this. I would like a new image in our minds when we're talking and thinking about prayer. A different posture, if you will. A different uh, attitude. And this is a metaphor. I'm not saying that when you pray, you're going to look like this. I'm just saying, I want this to be an image for you to help you to remember. For all of us to remember what prayer, what transformative prayer is supposed to be like. Okay? And I want us to start looking like this. I, lo- I included the guy with the tattoos because, I mean, that's the cool thing right now. Guys with tattoos still love Jesus. Got a lot of tattoos. And a big beard. He's going to regret that someday. <laughs> Notice how everybody here is looking up. Okay? Their eyes are up. They're focused on what's coming and what's out there, the reality of heaven, what's coming. Eyes open and focused on that, oriented towards what God is going to do when the kingdom comes and all is made right, and we are put in, into the place that we were supposed to be put from the very beginning, when it's all fixed. That's where our eyes are. That's where our head's at. And yet at the same time, feet sturdy on the ground. I especially like that, that girl on the top right, because if she, if she moves, she's going to die. So she, she's like, she's, she's got it. This is where she, her feet are planted right there in, in, in the real world with um, the real uh, problems and, and, and issues, but planted right on God so that she's dependent. She's dependent on where her feet are, are, are set so that, so that she doesn't move. Again, I'm not going to start praying like this with my eyes open because, did you know, do you know why we do this? 
I looked this up. Yeah, nobody does. This is like a thing that people invented. Uh, and apparently, the most no no one knows. There's a cool story about like there's one guy who made this up. He was like, it's because in Rome, when a slave would be bought, they'd be tied around the wrists here, and so it's like a, it's we're being submissive to God. That's nonsense. Nobody knows why we do this other than it's just tradition, and it probably helps our kids when we're teaching them to pray not to fidget too much. So it doesn't, you can do whatever you want when you pray. It's, it's really more about a mindset and a focus than anything else. Um, and if this helps, then do it. Uh, and I, it helps for me, so I'm going to keep doing it. But in your mind, as you're thinking about the task of prayer and, and what prayer is going to look like in your life, think this. The thing in your note sheets is um, pray with eyes up to heaven and your feet on the ground. Pray with your eyes up to heaven and your feet on the ground. That's... Um, that's, that's what prayer, and, and what's going to happen then is you're going to be transformed by that process into the kind of person God wants you to be. So uh, as we wrap up, I just, um, I thought about uh, kind of just some, some ways that we pray or, or habits and patterns of prayer that we can get into that I think the Lord's Prayer is trying to shake us out of. And these are patterns that I do um, and you do. And, and if you identify with it, think about what you might do to change that, to, to, to put your eyes in a heavenward um, position and your feet um, on, on the ground, depending on Christ. Let's look at them really quick. Transformative prayer, number one, contemplatives. Probably don't have a ton of these here at Coast, uh, but contemplatives are people who's, uh, it's not just that their eyes are in heaven, they're in heaven. Like they float off the ground and, and prayer is a time of just communion with divine, uh, which is a beautiful thing, and I'm not knocking at all. In fact, if there's something here that I probably tend towards in my private prayer, it's probably this. Um, when I pray uh, and I'm by myself, I, I tend to do a lot of spending time thinking about who God is and what God is like, because um, I'm, I'm a dork, and that's what I do. Uh, and, and so it can, it can actually be a kind of thing where I end up in, in la-la land and I have no connection to the real world. So if you're contemplative, start thinking about the concrete ways in your prayer life that all the good things that you see about God can be manifested here now. Okay? All the good things that we're seeing about God, you're, you're off into, into God land, and, and you can bring it down to here and now, where you can see that character manifested here. Bring it to the—put your feet on the ground if you're a contemplative. Uh, the next are the groundhogs. I've never seen a groundhog. My understanding is that they live in the ground, and that once a year, on February— Really? Second? February 2nd? Okay, whatever it is. On February 2nd, they, they come out of their hole, or tree stump, or whatever. And they look. They and what they're looking for, they're looking down. They're looking for their shadow. And if they see it, something happens. And there's like some local news stories about it. It's great. All I can think of is like when Bill Murray and Groundhog Day, when he, and the lady's like, do you think it's going to be a, a, a long winter? And he's like, I'm betting on March 20th. <laughs> That, that's when spring starts, March 20th. Okay. Uh, groundhogs, groundhogs are the people who, who are only focused on the now. And I'd suggest that probably for most of us, this is where we're, our heads are at. We're probably people who are so focused on the here and now and, and what's going on. You're, you're sitting there and you're like, Lord, I just don't know where to put the pool in the backyard. 
It's just, it's vexing me, Lord, on the right side or the left side. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and everything in life is, is submitted to God to prayer, and that's wonderful. It's a good thing. I'm not knocking it. Um, but it, it be, it, you're, you're not doing this. And there's no sense of the impending kingdom. There's no sense of your responsibility to the mission that kingdom puts on you. There's no sense of looking up. And, and if, it's, if it's all about the now, uh, gosh, you don't need God. Just, like, come up with a really effective plan to get the stuff that you want. Okay? There's plenty of people who do it here in Orange County. Okay? You, that's that's, a, that's a, an unhealthy way to pray because at a certain point, you're going to be like, I don't even need to do this anymore. Without the impending kingdom, it takes the, the, the meaning out of prayer. Number three, hypochondriacs. You cannot, you, only thing you pray about is sickness, illness. If you got, some of you do this. I do this with my kids. That my kids are, they like this. They love to pray for people who are sick to the exclusion of all else. Uh, that's not a healthy way to pray. Um, because then all you're thinking about is people dying, and that's morbid. Um, we do pray for the sick. We're going to continue praying for the sick. But um, we pray for the sick because of the coming kingdom. We pray that we can see illness wiped away in a way that manifests now a little piece of God's future for all of us. We, we don't want people to suffer. We want to see a little bit of the kingdom enacted. If there's no sense of, the, of heaven, then we're just, it's basically like, let's just prolong this as long as we can. And to which I say, there's a lot of atheists out there who are like trying to come up with ways to upload your brain into a computer so you can live forever. Okay? That, that is, that's a real thing that they do. And, and if, if all that we're praying for illness, uh, sickness is just to extend and, and have health, then how different are we in our prayer lives from those who honestly have no eternal hope? One of the cool things, um, after the service, uh, we're going to, uh, at 3.30, we're having um, a memorial for Cheryl West. Uh, Neil and Casey, uh, Casey's mom and, and Bob's wife, uh, she passed away uh, earlier this year. And it will be, um, it will be sad, We'll be sad if uh, our lead pastor and a friend of the church now um, now not with us. Uh, but there's also going to be a lot of joy, too. You know, if we don't have eternal hope, then what are we doing here? Like, if we don't have a genuine sense that this is not the end, then this is just a... We're, we're spinning our wheels. You could do something a lot more entertaining on Sunday morning than come to church. When we have this memorial service, we're going to be celebrating life. And it's life that doesn't end just with the grave. It's life that is eternal and will not fade from glory. Number four, newsies. When, when you pray, you're, um, you're, sending, you're updating everyone as to what's going on. Lord, you know that there was a bicycle accident at 7.30 a.m. yesterday when Mr. So-and-so was hit by a, a car and is now in the hospital with a scraped knee. Lord, please protect. <laughs> don't, don't pray to message to people what's going on. It's okay. I, I love how what, one of the things Doug does is he kind of updates us on what we're going to be praying for. He lets us know what's going on. Do the news first. And then uh, part of your prayer, let that be like something you're saying to, to God. 
and not the people around you. Okay. And last but not least, wallflowers. That's those of you who are like praying. Uh, I'm going to let someone else handle that. Especially a lot of dudes. Men, I've noticed, um, don't love praying in public, sometimes even in private. I embarrassed uh, Christian Koblenz in the youth group a few weeks ago. I said, Christian, why don't you pray? And he looked at me like, anything but that. <laughs> Not that. Oh, <sighs> so we, luckily we, we have um, one of those things that restarts your heart. What are those called? The defibrillator. So he, boom, got him going. And then, with the, and then we did the adrenaline shot. He was able to get through it. Uh, it was a beautiful moment for everyone. Uh, guys, it is so critical for you not to be a wallflower and let everyone else into the dance. It is critical for you to be leading in prayer. And I'm saying this to me too. I would much rather let Aaron run the thing. Because I, I don't know. It's awkward sometimes. I get that. But it's less awkward when your eyes are on heaven and the true reality of what's coming. And your feet are planted on the ground in dependence on God. When, that's, when that mentality, when that reality is there, you will have something to say. So the problem, I think, for most of the guys, for those of us who are wallflowers, is that we're not certain about the coming kingdom. We're not convinced deep down. We've got doubts. It's hard for us to be all in on this thing. It seems crazy. We're talking about an invisible guy in the sky. Come on. Maybe we're just uh, self-conscious because we don't have the right words to say. Uh, uh, Dude, if you need to get a written prayer, go get a written prayer. But be a leader. Show your kids, show your friends, show your family that you actually believe this stuff. Because if you don't, they're going to pick up on it. They're not dumb. Transformative prayer is prayer where your eyes are up to heaven and your feet are firmly planted on the ground. Let's pray. Gracious God, we, um, we thank you for uh, the truth of your kingdom, that the future is not unknown, that the resurrection of Christ Um, prefigures all that is coming, that your kingdom is coming, that it is happening, that we are your servants and we will reign with you in heaven. God, set our eyes and hearts on that every day, every time we bow our heads or lift our eyes up to you. Set that reality. Let us know what heaven is like. Let us experience what um, heaven can be here in this place. Uh, and, and add that to our life of prayer as we think through our mission. God, let us always be dependent on you, feet firmly planted on you in everything, in, in all the, even with our finances and, our, and our, our eating and shelter, all those things, God, let us be fully planted on you. Eyes to you, Lord, feet on the ground. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.